Good morning and happy Wednesday, everyone. I'm your host, David, joined by Drew, and welcome back for week two of our new, brand new podcast. This week, we're going to be discussing the Chicago Bears and Atlanta Falcons game. So let's get started. It's easy to make it seem like it was such a clear decision, but really it wasn't very clear at that point that the switch should have been made. And I think a lot of people viewing the game were a little surprised to see polls coming out in that next series. Um, so I, I don't know if you have thoughts as a former quarterback, David, but maybe what was going through your head when that switch was made? Like, was there something that was very clear to you as a quarterback as to why they made that change? Drew, you and I both talked before we recorded this podcast that Bears coach Matt Nagy is not a fan of field goals. And I think that kind of set the tone in the first drive. He got into field goal range and then Santos missed that field goal. Uh, Nagy's always wanted Trubisky to be consistent throughout the whole game. And Trubisky typically wakes up in the second half, more specifically the fourth quarter. And Trubisky wasn't given that opportunity. Ultimately, Nagy is frustrated and needed more consistency and Foles provided that spark. Interesting. I know Matt Nagy said before the season that Mitch was going to be on a short leash with Nick Foles right behind him in the depth chart. And um, I think we talked about that before the season about how when you're playing football and you have a player right behind you in the depth chart, it becomes difficult to perform at your highest level knowing that there's someone capable of taking your spot. So I wonder if that what, what you mentioned about wanting to take those easy passes might be something looming in the back of his uh, in the back of his mind when he's in the pocket or on the sideline of you know I better not make a mistake and then due to that thought process he's making decisions that from a defensive perspective really made zero sense when I was watching the game back. Um, would you agree with that take? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I think what's interesting is just by looking at the stats here, Trubisky had a higher completion percentage than Foles did on the day. He had actually completed 59% of his passes versus Foles 55%, which is unreal to me because if you could, if after watching the game, especially in the second half, the energy of the Bears just totally picked up when Foles came in. It was almost like um, a shot of energy into the arm, as they say. Um, and while Trubisky did throw for 128 yards and one touchdown, uh, Foles came in and almost, in reality, basically led the Bears to five touchdowns, as crazy as that sounds, even though he only ended up with three touchdowns. Uh, you know, this leads into another topic of the game was the officiating. Um, there was a pass that uh, Foles threw in like a fade to uh, Allen Robinson in the end zone, and the defensive back and Robinson – uh, both caught the ball, and Robinson came down with it when in the end zone, but the defensive back took it away, So, and it ended up being the Falcons' ball, but typically the tie goes to the receiver. Yeah, you know, I, I think in that specific play, I didn't have as much of a problem with the officiating as some of the earlier calls. I think I was more disappointed in the fact that Allen Robinson is such a big target and he couldn't come down with that. And it seems to be a pattern where he's playing down to the level of some of these corners where I think we all expect him to be that elite receiver. Um, so as a fan, it was frustrating. 
Um, but not so much um, with the officiating in that instance. My, my big problem was in the first first drive of the game, the Bears are driving down the field pretty handedly. They're mixing up the play calling. They're really creative play calling. And then they start to stall out. They throw a slant to, I think it was Allen Robinson, where the defender literally makes the same play that Eddie Jackson um, made against the Giants last week for which Eddie Jackson was called for pass interference. Mm-hmm. And the Bears drive stalls out and kind of set the tone for the first two and a half quarters. Yeah. Uh, and that, that's just the inconsistency that as a, as a viewer, that's not a fun way to watch football. Whenever it seems like there's something that is not fair, it just becomes not fun to watch. And I, I mean, that's, a reality of the game is that the officiating plays a part in football. Like it, there is no football without the refs and sure. you're always going to have calls made on your side. And there's always going to be calls on the other side. Luckily for the bears, they did get some calls late in the game and it did seem to even out, but it, it just gets difficult to watch when you commit to your team. And one week it feels like there's been a precedent set. And then the next week that precedent has completely evaporated absolutely i mean the bears were heavily penalized i think they almost had 80 yards of penalties called against them this Mm -hmm. game that's unreal um and and there's some deflating ones especially the bears started to really get a solid pass rush on the uh matt ryan and the falcons and there were a couple of uh targeting calls one specifically was when uh two of the defensive linemen were tackling him and one went one went low and the other one finished him off high and the momentum of Ryan's helmet kind of met the helmet of a Bears defender and that wasn't targeting in my opinion but the rules are pretty concrete and the NFL is trying to protect the quarterback and protect its players and unfortunately players are having to adjust on the fly sometimes and that's difficult can you speak to that Drew yeah, you know, that that call was pretty concrete, but I think it kind of goes to what I'm getting at. And there's an old adage in football where um, they say that a referee can call, call holding on any play, right? Like, there's holding on every play, and they're just, you know, there seems to be some sense of, like, call volatility or just, you know, arbitrariness in the way that they call penalties. And so... That's a reality that I think the viewers and the league have to come to grips with is that there are penalties on a lot of plays and figuring out which ones should be called is one thing. Figuring out how many you're going to call in the game is another because it, 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 it controls the pace of the game. And I think the only way to have a game that's enjoyable to watch for the fans and just fun for the players is to call it both ways. It's really the only answer. Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, the Falcons were also penalized too. But uh, you know what was really interesting to me was not even just the uh, penalties, but just the time and possession difference as well. I mean, we kind of said it. The Falcons were moving the ball really well in the first half, and they only ended up with 25 minutes and 10 seconds of total possession time on offense. And then for the Bears, they dominated. They almost had a 10-minute difference between the Falcons but yet they were down by so much. That was unreal. And um, mm-hmm. 
Even well, I think I think one quarter of Matt Ryan's passing yards came off one play, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I <laughs> so mean, that, that that will definitely eat into your time of possession when you're getting those big chunk plays. Matt Ryan ended up finishing the day with 238 yards, one touchdown, one interception, and his big go-to receiver was Calvin Ridley, who had 110 yards receiving on five receptions for 22 yards per catch, which is absolutely unreal. And uh, you know what's what's Scary to me is the leading tacklers on the Bears this past weekend were members of the secondary, uh, being Eddie Jackson and cornerback Buster Screen. Uh, They both had five tackles each respectively. So hopefully the Bears can keep containment this weekend with uh, the gunslinger Phillip Rivers uh, and the Indianapolis Colts. Yeah, and uh, I think at this point, I think it's important to bring up and go back to the Foles and Trubisky question now that you bring up the Colts is that the most important factor in this game I think is going to be decision making at the quarterback position I think that was one of the major aspects as to why Matt Nagy made that decision to switch quarterbacks and I just want to go back on that interception that Mitch Trubisky threw they had the crossing routes, and a lot of analysts wanted to say, oh, they're running zone. Why would you ever throw that pass? Well, my problem wasn't that they were running zone. My problem was that Mitch Trubisky proved that he had a fundamental misunderstanding of the, the football concept of what the Bears were trying to accomplish. And on that play, they had a, a deep middle route that was wide open that found the pocket in between the lower zones and the higher zones in the defense. Yet he almost makes it harder on himself or uh, in some ways because the defense did exactly what they wanted them to do. The, mm-hmm. they, the defense pulled up on the lower, the more shallow routes, and they had a deeper ball open, and Mitch threw it to the, to the shallow route, and it got intercepted. Now, now contrast that with Leighton, I think it was the – or maybe early in the fourth quarter. It was on the drive that ended with a uh, – I think a Jimmy Graham touchdown to make it 26-16, right? Mm-hmm. On that drive, the, the Bears are in, they're kind of behind the sticks. I think it's fourth and six. And the the Falcons are running a kind of just typical cover two defense. Nick Foles throws it directly to Ted Ginn Jr. in a deep out route, automatic first down. Yeah. And that just it, it just proved that Nick Foles has an understanding about where the weaknesses and defenses are, which I think is going to be paramount to the Bears being successful on Sunday. Absolutely. I think Foles definitely gives him the vertical threat threat to go downfield and, and it opens up the playbook for Nagy. He came in and was clutch. He was confident. His body language was positive. And ultimately ended up finishing with 188 yards and three TDs on one interception. And uh you know, he got a lot of the offense involved. Um, Allen Robinson actually ended up finishing the day with 10 receptions and 123 yards. And Jimmy Graham continues to impress with six pat- six catches and two touchdowns. And, I mean, I think another vocal point of the offense was uh, Anthony Miller. He uh, he was the one – he's the one Bears receiver that caught the game-winning touchdown. That pass to Anthony Miller, I know – I think I went back and – it looked like they had some sort of a deep three look, brought a lot of pressure. But Anthony Miller really gets out from one stutter step that causes the safety to slow down and leaves them wide open. And that, that just shows some of that really elite level development that Anthony Miller has made. Absolutely. Which, 
has to make a fan excited, knowing that now he's going to have Nick Foles throwing to him four quarters next week. Absolutely. Um, and that is also something that the Bears are going to need if they want to beat the Colts, because this defense, this Colts defense is disciplined. They're not going to make a lot of mistakes like the Falcons made, and you're going to need that execution at, at an elite level to have a hope to win. Right. And to that point, Drew, the Bears were playing one of the worst um, passing defenses in the league, in the Falcons. And um, while it took them till until the second half to wake up, it is great to see that a lot of the skilled position players like Anthony Miller and Allen Robinson are getting used to their full potential. And Mooney is also getting thrown into the mix. I mean, I, you and I talked about it before the season. I, I know I sound like the uh, – you know, the Homer Bears fan here, but I really cannot find any holes on that offense uh, at the skilled positions. Um, And unfortunately, the Bears lost one of their skilled position players in Tariq Cohen, who actually just signed a three-year contract extension and is always kind of like the jack-of-all-trades within the Nagy offense. Yeah, and I think this is where we disagree. I think the Bears need to make an upgrade at running back. I think that Right now, they have a very thin running backs room. You know, you have a, a guy who's a special teamer in Ryan Null. You have a guy who isn't a running back, Cordero Patterson. At times, he looked he, he looked like he was going to take off after last week. But then this week, he kind of had a regression where some of those zone running plays, he just makes the wrong cut, and he cuts into some defenders. And it turns what could be 10 or 12 yard runs into three to five yard runs. And that's just something where you kind of expect that from a guy who hasn't played running back a lot. And so then you're really putting the load on, on one player. And so when you have really one committed running back and now you lost your change up running back, it just, you know, it could turn a game like this game against the Colts into a nightmare if we have more injuries you know like Darius Leonard is going to be filling the holes mm-hmm. very fast and very hard and I if I was a coach going into this game I would not be surprised if I had an injury to one of my running backs the way that these guys hit the holes you know they have great linebackers and they also have very good safeties that come up and make hard hits once they identify the ball carrier mm-hmm. once they see that they can go and get the tackle they come screaming up the field. Um, they're really, really aggressive. I think, uh, I think it was what M- Malik Hooker. I think is is the player last week. Mm-hmm. He he looked he looked great. He was flying up to the plant, making open field tackles at top speed. So I I do worry about the running backs room. Yeah, and with that being said, Drew, do you think who's which running back is going to have an increased workload? Will it be Montgomery? Will it be uh, Patterson? Will it be Nall? I, I mean, right now I think Montgomery was taking about half of the snaps, mm-hmm. and with Tariq Cohen taking about a third of the snaps, you would probably expect that there to be divvied up between all three of the remaining running backs. So I, I would think that Montgomery will take um, more of those pass. You already saw it. he was taking a lot more of those passing down snaps in the fourth quarter. And I actually, I really liked, you know, he scored his touchdown off of a passing snap. Um, I, I don't think the Bears have even had a rushing touchdown yet. 
Um, and so you'll expect he'll get a boost of maybe 10% more snaps. Cordell Patterson will get some more running snaps. And Ryan Nall will remain that special teamer who comes in when guys absolutely need a break. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know what? I will say I've always been impressed with David Montgomery, and I don't think the full, um, depth of his talent has not been seen yet. And I think with the transition to Foles um, and Nagy's offense being a pass-first offense, it will open up the running game. It's kind of counterintuitive because typically coaches like to run to set up the pass, but in Nagy's offense, it's a high-volume passing offense. So, you know, Foles could open up the playbook for Montgomery and. Ultimately, I've been saying this for a long time. I think with the emergence of Foles as the new starting quarterback for the Chicago Bears, I think it will actually be great for the defense too because the Bears have a world-class defense and by you know eating up time of possession and giving them some break, a lot more breaks instead of going three and out or not making the correct read on a pass play, um, I really think that this, this will be beneficial in the long run for Foles and the Chicago Bears. Yeah, and I think a lot of that business of not going three and out consistently is going to be really important this week, but it really comes back to what we were going to talk about with the offensive line. You know, last year, if, I, if I'm not mistaken, a lot of stories were floating around about how this Bears offensive line just couldn't stay healthy, how they had all these different combinations, guys were playing in different spots, and that has kind of been a story in the Chicago media market many different seasons there's mm-hmm. always about the offensive line people will be begging about them drafting a an old lineman finally build an line well this old line except for maybe i think james daniels missed one snap in week one mm-hmm. besides that all five of the old linemen have played all of the snaps on offense right which that's stability is very reassuring and uh, you know this, this week it's going to be very important but what you're talking about with the pass game opening up the run game, that stability on the offensive line, it's it's fundamental to enabling that kind of malleability in an offense. Absolutely. I will say with the consistency on the line, that's great. I know they drafted Daniels out of Iowa, and they've, they've mixed and matched and picked up a lot of free agents and kind of established some um, continuity and some consistency on that line. I will say, though, I was a little disappointed. Um, I really think – the Falcons defensive line and linebackers asserted their dominance, um, kind of establishing the line of scrimmage and pushing the bears back. There are numerous times I saw some linemen bears linemen getting pushed back and not even allowing the quarterback running back exchange at some points. Trubisky was lucky to get the ball into Montgomery's hands a couple of times. And Montgomery, luckily he's a great athlete and was able to shake off a couple of defenders in the back in the backfield to at least get past the line of scrimmage or a yard. But I mean, it, 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 when you don't have, when you can't win the line of scrimmage and push the line forward, it does nothing for the running back and it makes the, makes it a one dimensional offense, meaning they only, they can only throw it. And with that being said, they're not even able to run block. Pass blocking is totally different and they might have to go to a shorter, shorter um, drop to like maybe, Three or three or five step instead of five and seven step drops. Yeah, you, you know that's a fair point. I think I would counter that with just you know, I thought the pass blocking overall looked good. I thought a lot of the sack problems were coming from some of the quarterback play. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to go relitigate that conversation, but you know Nick Foles is making quicker reads, and you know 
that helps a ton. If you're a blindside tackle, you know you want your quarterback making quicker reads. So that being said, the, there were a few times with, with their zone blocking schemes, they weren't comboing up to the linebackers, which will be a problem this week if they can't do that. But also the Falcons clearly came in with a game plan. You know, they did some tricky stuff where, you know, maybe they overloaded one side of the line and then a few different plays they would walk their backers up at the last second or they would have a backer look like he wasn't blitzing, overload one side of the line and just, you know, they were playing around with gaps in, in a way that was freeing up defenders to put pressure on the quarterback. So, you know, the Falcons did have a good game plan for coming at the Bears and their zone blocking schemes, but... Overall, I think the Bears did a pretty good job for the type of game they they had. You know, um, I, I, I don't think you can argue that the Bears' offensive line this season over, overall have done a much better job of not taking bad penalties. This was the first week this season, I think, that we did see the offensive line have more than two, two or three penalties, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and, you know, one of them, I'd say, was a good one. You know, if if Charles Leno Jr. didn't hold that defender on Cordell Patterson's sweep, it would have been a tackle for loss. So uh, you, you, you'll take that. You know, no matter what, you're going to lose the yardage. So you might as well roll the dice and see if they call it. Yeah, at the end of the day, Drew, the Bears are 3-0, and and uh, they're sitting at the top of the NFC North. And uh, they've got momentum on their side. And they've got continuity and consistency now at the quarterback position. I think we kind of came into the season knowing that Trubisky's on a short leash. And now that Nagy's made a decision to trust his gut, as he would quote, or basically said that he watched the film and liked what he saw from Foles, who came in, commanded the offense, opened up the playbook, and got everyone involved on the offense, uh, I think the Bears are feeling a lot more confident heading into Sunday in Indianapolis at 12. Um, I got to ask you, Drew, we're almost out of time here. We've got five minutes left, but uh, is it time for the Bears to think about upgrading the, at the kicking position? Uh, this is the second week in a row Santos has missed a field goal, and you know every point is valuable in the league. I don't think it's time yet. I think that you know that first field goal that was missed it, I couldn't tell if somebody got a hand on it. I don't think they did, but I think that was a fluke. Uh, I, I, you know, I, I think that messing with the kickers and trying to sign somebody out of nowhere, it, it just becomes too much of a volatile situation. The best way to, to get a kicker back on track is to just let him go out and kick the field goals. Right. You know, once you start to play that game that Matt Nagy has – shown that he's willing to do like he has a proclivity for going for it on fourth after a missed field goal and i think that's a mistake because the only way that you can get to those like uh, just favorable uh, you know aggregate numbers at the end of the season is by kicking more field goals you know if a guy misses five percent of his field goals well it's gonna look a lot worse if you only let him attempt 20 than if you let him attempt 100 right and so i think it, with kicking, you know, a lot of these guys are pros. They have two quality kickers on the roster right now. One's injured. But the more they kick, the better they're going to get. And I, I'm a firm believer that kickers are born through big moments, mm-hmm. not through nitpicking mistakes in, their, in the early parts of their career. All right. Well, real quick, Drew, what's your score prediction for the Bears-Colts this weekend? <sighs> Well, I'm sad to say, I do not have the Bears in this game. I think it's going to be a tough day. I think Frank Reich and his 
His staff are very disciplined coaches. They're very methodical in their game plans. They're, they really put a premium on player development, and that's really going to pay off for them this week. I think the score is going to be 24-17 to 17 Colts. All right, you heard it here first. 24-17 Colts picked by Drew. Uh, I will counterpoint and say I got the Bears 28-24 and a close one. But uh, that's all the time we've got for this episode. Join us next week for a recap of the Bears-Colts, and we look forward to uh, you tuning in. Thanks.